All right. And we're off and running. Allegedly. Allegedly. Might just kill TweetDeck so that as much bandwidth as possible is being funneled into the talking on the internet. Uh, and I'm touching every bit of wood I can in the, in the room. Actually, isn't. I don't want it. That's not something I want to hear about. <laughs> Again, I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> Your sexual problems are not my concern. Well, it's a dynamic duo, but we back again. Not the rapper's DJ, the better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop with a big black boobies in the back of the bus, just smacking you up. Just stealing your lunch, money to search, money to feel just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? We got strong man to be. Mind, 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 Well, so have you great? Have you graduated to the ten-minute um, World Cup highlights, or are you still on the threes? No, I've cut back to the I've cut back to the no-minute highlights. I, I, you know, I just keep fucking every time. I, <laughs> every time I think I'm interested in watching a game, it just it's like there's more death and more complete fucking. Uh, oh well, you know who gives a shit from uh, from Qatar? It's like oh, it's the natural way of the world that people get fucking killed on there to to do their shit. So you know, fuck it. The A League's back this week, which means you get like, actual football you can watch without feeling morally fucking bankrupt. <laughs> I did. Um, I saw that the uh, <laughs> the F three derby between um, uh, Central Coast and Newcastle that they've built they've made a trophy out of some drill core from the actual F three highway. They've, they've drilled some concrete out of it and then look, made that the trophy. That's the most A League shit imaginable. Look, I'm actually all for that, right? I, I like trophies that are quirky and have a bit of meaning and aren't just another uh, cup. When I was young, my um, uh, my second cousin he, he was, had a much older cousin that lived in Brisbane, and he's a he's an old school. Oh no, he's not even really a boy. He loves his cars, particularly sprint cars, and he's an engineer. And he used to go to America and work for. Uh, the sprint cars over there, like yeah. that was his thing. And he worked for the guy. He ended up working for the guy that won pretty much everything over, uh, like I think, a five-year span. And he said they'd they'd win a race and they'd get this huge monstrosity of a of a um, of a trophy. And he'd just pull into the first the first petrol station the truck pulled into after the thing. He'd just wander around until he found a kid, and he's like, "Here, kid, you want this trophy that's that's bigger than you are and weighs twice as much? Yeah, have it." I get through a weekend every fucking weekend of my life plus midweeks. I think I'm okay for I'm okay for fucking silverware. I don't have a big enough yeah. cabinet for it. But it was funny. Spring cars were funny because they had a particular style of. Now it might have just been that the style of all shirts. I'm sure maybe rugby league shirts looked all the same back then too, but you, like they had this style of artwork that was sort of No, that is little- characteristic of Speedway. Um, NASCAR have that too. In fact, Dan Ricardo was doing, because he's a big NASCAR fan, was doing T-shirts in the style of a, of a that kind of airbrushed, you know, yeah. action shot, big letters yeah, across yeah, the yep. front. Yep. Maybe a, maybe a italicised signature or maybe some kind of slogan. Um, so some some of them were really cool, like yeah. re- really retro cool. Huh? Sort of that shit's come back as kind of retro. Yeah. You see, people, you know, twenty somethings walking around with shit like that on, and I'm sure they have no fucking idea. 
And they also don't yeah. know what their shirt's about. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure there's many, you know, 1980s American sprint car fans in Australia. No, not like Steve Kinzer fucking freak out types. Out. That's that's who he used to work for, Steve oh, yeah, Kinzer. Well, Kinzer used to come down to Australia in, in the in the off-season and used to – World of Outlaws, I think the series was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one. It's the only name I know from sprint cars, uh, apart from the Australian guys who crossed over into – into other forms of motorsport like Max Dunsley. Welcome I'm, back I'm to our basketball have, podcast. <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to Google Steve Kinzer shirt, uh, shirt art now and, and yeah. see if I can recognise one of the ones that I used to wear. I thought you were going to say uh, I thought you were going to Google Steve Kinzer shirtless, and I don't think he's the kind of man you want to see shirtless <laughs> these days. Remember, he was a big mustachioed dude. Looked a little bit like Dale Earnhardt. Um, look, should we talk yeah. about basketball? I mean, I for uh, one welcome and you Pelican overlords. Yeah, that's that's and still not a hundred percent whole. Like, have they well, had New Orleans is 100% a hundred percent a whole? I understand. <laughs> have they had a five game stretch with their you know three best players in the lineup? I don't think well, they Zion, have. Zion, Zion, and Zion. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know the old they've had, they've had a five game stretch of winning the last five games in a row, which is helping. The, the, you know the adage of if you want a successful team around LeBron, you know, just give him guys that can defend and hit threes. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you want a successful team around Zion, get get a whole heap of pesky guards that can sort of limit the point of attack on him in defense and then pretty much just sit back and watch the rest. Yeah. Well, he's he completely dominant little run most recently. He's actually kind of gotten away from the perimeter and just been a monster inside, which is, mm. you know, makes entire sense to me. Well, Dyson Daniels must be just in fucking heaven. Well, come back to the Dyson Daniels hour every week <laughs> well, on the Bulls podcast. I just well, it's interesting because uh, Green's friendship is in. over with Josh Green. Dyson Daniels is my new friend, best friend. Yeah, um, Green's popping in Dallas as well. <laughs> every week, I get a little bit more excited about our yeah. potential Olympic team. Um, Poor old Dante Exum. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I think I actually like I actually said, looked it up because I was wondering what he was up to. He's playing for like Partizan Belgrade, and, and he's pl- coming off the bench, so it's not quite uh, as much okay. fun as being in Barcelona. No, I just a lot of, I, lot I of just danger of smoke the, inhalation from the flares. <laughs> the the best thing for him is just to play lots of basketball consecutively. Um, you know, uh, his thing's never been talent; it's always been injuries. Yeah, it's, been, um, it's been longevity. It's been robustness. I should but say, like, while the Pelicans get- are leading, they're only half a game up on the Suns and, and the Grizz and mm. one and a half up on the Nugs, who got a really good win against um, yeah. against the Portland Blazers of Trails. Uh, yeah, but Murray doing his best Dame impersonation. Up that was Dame lovely did, to see Murray did, did come Dame back twice. and have that big fucking yeah. game winner, I'm back, both my legs work, it's nice when that happens kind of stuff. There, there is, and this is what I sort of get frustrated about people Sort of like you know when is when is X person going to be back from injury? Like you can be back physically a hundred percent, but the amount of players I know who are physically like there's absolutely nothing medically, or even when they run, they don't feel any pain. There's no residual pain, you know, when they cool down. But there's just something mentally holding them back from going that you know that full hundred percent step or or sprint that you need to do at that level to be an elite player and sometimes you just need a shot like that so like oh yeah that's right i'm really fucking good and it just might you know might trigger him into going a little bit just that two or three percent harder you know on that 
on that reconstructed knee. The West is still a bloodbath. I mean, it's still it's four games down oh. to Minnesota in fourteen. Uh, three, eleven. <laughs> it's like, the, the the Lakers went on like a what was it a ten and two run, and they yeah, still only made 13th. up like one one place. Yeah. Yes. It's just just fucking it was hilarious. The uh. The, the Lakers are back segment on every podcast this week. I, was just like, I mean, they were back, and now their the backness is is not, itself not back because they I, all got the flu and bits of bits of them started falling off. Because that's the problem can, with playing at you know with, when AD and LeBron are the two best players on your team. You're only going to have moments, you know, periods of being back. Yeah, yeah. your backness and, is going to be intermittent. And. Zach Lowe, who's like the you know the ultimate voice of reason, you could almost look him up in the dictionary. He sort of listed off their eight wins, and it was like the Spurs three times, uh, Detroit without their three it best was a players. Soft, it was a soft shed. It yeah. was a, having said that, you know, if if everybody's injured for the when they actually have to play hard teams, it's going to be impossible to understand. And look, who knows what a soft schedule is in, in, the, in the Western Conference? No. Everybody is as good as everybody else. That that's like I. You know, I sort of look a couple of games ahead, a couple of days ahead uh, for the wins pool sometimes, and it's like, well, <laughs> that would be why that would be why you're winning, and well, no, you're, you're not winning, but you're not, no, you're not, you're not eighteen not, games not, off the lead like some people. <laughs> I'm not losing, that's for sure. Um, yeah, like who, who, who the fuck knows? The, the the only sure thing really in the whole league is the, the Celtics. Celtics. Yes. <laughs> We're twenty-one um, and, then, and five. Yeah, they have a more eight hundred and eight percent fucking winning winning record. I'm pretty sure Ema isn't getting his job back. I don't know if he's getting any job back. Well, the, he's certainly the, not the, getting the, getting his job back with old mate Nia. No, um, the the one chance he had was you know with a tire fire that was was the Nets who are. Fourth, wow, seven and three in their last ten, mostly without um, Ben, who might be coming back next week or next Uh, game. I think think he's. I think they're easing him in against the Hawks, who are four and six in (laughs) their last. Nice and easy. Although the 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 Hawks have dropped the last two close ones. uh, Actually, no, not close ones because they lost. That was right. Uh, Trey Young had his game where he came into. Madison Square Gardens with with fucking the King of Broadway written on his shoes and they proceeded to lose by like thirty. <laughs> not only did they lose by thirty, but he's starting. He's entering the Harden zone where, like, multiple people are just dunking on him with clips of his just walking out of the way defense. You know, just he's not, not even. Pre- well, he has yeah, he was not like even- that very early in his career too, and then then that kind of heat the heat on that kind of went down, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the other problem is that, I mean, they Atlanta they have they obviously they hired an ex Golden State guy and they were clearly trying to to build a Golden State kind of model. But yeah. Trey, the thing about Trey Young is that he you know he can he might be kind of a bad photocopy of Steph in a playing sense, but the under the underrated thing about Steph is that he is the best imaginable fucking teammate because he gives up for his for his fellow te- his fellow teammates and he lifts every everybody else around him and people want to play with him. That is not the case with Trey Young. Everyone fucking hates that guy. Well, and that characteristic goes onto the court as well because even though he's got a skill set and an athleticism like Steph, he absolutely refused to refuses to play off ball like Steph. Yeah. And the reason probably is is to do that, you have to be amazingly conditioned, like 
<laughs> I was thinking about this on the weekend because uh, playing touch on the weekend, I haven't done much running. Like, uh, I'm fit, but I haven't done sort of any of that running sort of fitness. And I was Same. just blown up. <laughs> Same. I was just blowing up towards the end of a 20-minute game, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like- Have, have you considered that it's all that fucking pointless lifting you're doing and instead yes. of cardio that might be the problem? Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the, well, the, that sort of- yeah, like it, it all balance. You got to find balance, and I'm not going to do running to go. On. Like I was there to coach, not to play. I was only sort of filling in for that team. But I, I, I just kept thinking about what Steph would have to do to be able to keep doing that at his age at that level. And it's, I, I guess, it's a commitment that even NBA players probably don't want to make. Um, I think it, it helps if you've been through horrible injury early on in your career. Yeah. Then you yep. genuinely Absolutely. never take any of it for granted. Yeah. Whereas I, what what, what um, fucking adversity has Trey Young ever had to face? Yeah, none. Apart from <laughs> early, you know, early onset hair loss. And every, everyone laughed at, at um, Simmons's piece about which guards are better than Trey Young, but the problem for Trey is that's actually true. Like Halliburton and all those guys coming through. They are willing to do the work. I like didn't laugh at the content. I just liked laughing. I just, you like I just, I just liked laughing at the, at the the headline structure. What was what was the line? Sort of Bill Simmons I says. I think it was Simons is better than Trey Young. I think was the line that they had. Bill Simmons proposes Anthony Simons over Trey Young, and the Bull Podcast proposes reversing truck over Bill Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> just because no one needs his fucking boomer adjacent takes anymore. Go away. They can they can probably fire a couple of those headline writers, right, and just get that a that new AI to do it. Oh Jesus, that's it's, a- it's, it's it's about as stilted. Education, fucking you know, secondary and tertiary education providers worldwide are. Are shitting themselves about this stuff. Well, they might actually have to have to come up with some inventive what, what, and and less kind of high throughput ways of assessing people's educational skills. Yeah, who'd have fucking thought? You might actually have to assess whether they've been educated or not. Yeah, weird, that's, isn't it? That's we'll a have crazy. To ask some questions personally, verbally. <laughs> oh dear. Um, Too much like fucking hard work. I was just going to say the East is, in its own way, is just as just as squishy. If you take Brooklyn in fourth and the Bulls in tenth, there's only three games between them. Yeah, and it, it just feels like the whole league's on a bit of a nice edge for that December 15 date is sort of like when That's when heat- people who have been – who were signed in the offseason can be traded. Can be traded. So that, you know, teams like the Heat, the Wizards, the Bulls – well, the Hornets are trying to be bad, but uh, but you like, know they're they're in a sell, they're in a seller's market there. They're yeah, looking to move people on. Like, uh, well, the Lakers don't have anyone to sell. They're absolutely a buyer. The Thunder yeah. probably don't want to sell. Like, why why would the Thunder want to sell? All their players are too young to sell. They don't have any veterans to sell. No, there's a year where they just have to concentrate on you know playing out the string and seeing seeing who and where, what they are. Hmm. What they are is. You know, a game and a half out of the t- out of the the play in, which is well, like, and everyone's saying, oh, they need one more draft. Do, do people forget they've got the Rockets pick next year, and then the year after that, I think they can. Flip and they've picks. still got old mate Chet just waiting to yeah, come back. Just, just waiting. To come. They've got like, another draft pick. They've already made it. He was the best player in the last draft. And that's the scary thing about the Pels, right? Is that they've got sort of five more years of potential 
you know, like if they added an Alvarado-style player every second year to that side, they're going to be sustainably good for a very long time. Um, you it's know, not easy the, just the, to magically add an Alvarado-style player, though. I mean, it was an interesting exercise they were doing on on the on Windhurst pod where they were going back through the 2020 draft, which was the one that was done under COVID, so nobody really knew yeah. who any of these players were or what well, they were like. But where did they have How Wiseman? many absolute fucking flobs were made by oh. teams drafting in the top sort of, you know, 10 to 20, uh, guys who just did not turn out at all. Well, that's Halliburton, right? Yeah, that was that's a Halliburton that- draft, and they're talking all the people who passed on Halliburton. Mm. And well, it's- my team, my team for one, like the guy that they drafted is gone, <laughs> you know. Mm. And, and again, they picked a big, they picked a centre, and it's like, what are, you, what are you doing burning lottery picks on fucking centres, you you peanuts. You want wings and guards. Yeah, although yeah. at the replacement level positions, you want good wings and guards. But if you have mm. the chance to draft the best possible centre, that will have yeah. more of an impact on winning games. But if you've already got DeAndre fucking Ayton, why what? do you need yeah. another one? Yeah, but you always need more, especially guards that can – especially a guard that's essentially has the same mindset as Chris Paul. Why wouldn't you get Halliburton in and let him apprenticeship under Chris Paul for, for two or three years and then when Chris Paul's washed, you've got his ready-made replacement. And you know Chris Paul does it, that that job really well because he did it with Shea at, at OKC. What do you mean when uh, Chris Paul's washed? Did you see that game they played yesterday against the- First game back Against the fucking Celts. The, the dude's old. Let him warm up. It'll take yeah. him 10 games to warm up. Yeah, he's, he's like a fucking like a Mark One escort. He needs a little bit of warming up in the morning and quite a lot of chug. Yeah. Uh, well- yeah. We probably should leave that one I there. I was about to, uh, do, <laughs> about to do a Kanye Jake, but we're not talking about him again. Um, turns out Luca Ball is sustainable if, if the other dudes hit threes and isn't sustainable if they don't. That seems Pretty to be- Pretty much what we thought, yeah. Yeah, that's about as much. And then, you know, the Jazz of- Because they, they played um, they played Denver- How many days ago was that? The Mavs-Denver game. Three days. That was ago. that was Wednesday night. Wednesday wasn't it? That was yeah. that was another good game too. Yeah, yeah. The the West is just insane. Like yeah, which which side? There is no side in the West that wants to sell players, except maybe the Jazz. But they've got ten games, ten games of winning left in the whole season. Yeah, to sort of. They're fifteen and twelve. They're, yeah. they're <laughs> relatively comfortably in the playoffs. Like they're best I mean, they don't have to lose much. They're only you know three wins yeah. up on on eleventh. But even so, yeah. That well, their their best option might be just to keep you know to trade players to other Western Conference teams just to keep the Timberwolves down, and they'll get they'll get their number one draft pick that way. Yeah, that might be the way to do yeah. it. <laughs> oh, Warriors, do you want to? You know, this good role player. We'll just, you know, we'll just keep the timber puppies down one more spot. Um, yeah, I Warriors don't still haven't pulled out of that whatever it is that they're in. The Clippers, I've got well bits of Kawhi and most of Paul George back, and they still can't mm. get uh, can't get wins together. Um, and then I guess that the East is a little bit more. You know, the Heat and the Knicks definitely feel like teams that could panic buy. Um, 
Certainly, then, yeah, with with the, the kind of the narrative around those teams, absolutely. And then the the Wizards, Bulls, and Hornets all all have players that they could sell, I guess. Sixers are a flat five hundred. They just lost three on the trot. They only just they just got James Harden back, who's not going to be enough to win games by himself. It's a bit hard to kind of work out what the fuck that is going on with them. The Pacers are again, as we've said previously, are, in, are the kind of the Jazz of the East. Although we feel like the Pacers might be closer to real. And closer to this is a team that um, almost like a better Thunder. Uh, there's no point trying to sell or or trade or anything. You might want to just see what you've got. Yeah, yeah. Like just give give Matherin and Halliburton and their what's their their they've got that other awesome guard as well. Who Nemba, won a game. the guy who keeps winning games yeah, on the buzzer. <laughs> yeah, won that game in Golden State. So I guess. You just want to give those guys reps more than anything, and they've got so much cap space because all their guys are young. Yeah, that they can re-sign their their guys that are um, up for extensions. Yeah, they don't have to trade them. Like yeah, or they can plenty just let, let Miles Turner walk and, and replace him with someone else. Yeah, the Raptors just keep wrapping on, and and I guess that like the, the Knicks are just weird. <laughs> like they don't seem very good, but they're ninth. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty good description of them. They don't seem very good, but they're basically five hundred, and they're just there. Yeah, they're, they're just difficult. And then the Wizards have sort of dropped off a little bit, which is sort of how they went last season. They yeah, I suspect start- they're gonna they're gonna drop into the um, they're probably gonna pivot to being to a gentle, long, slow, dribbling suck. Wonder if they'd trade Beal for the two Lakers picks. Yeah, it'd get, I don't know, it'd, it'd get them out of like you know they could actually tank then right because after this year they can get rid of Westbrook and then they that you know if they did that they'd sell Kuzma and they'd sell all their all their good role players. Why and, not just send back all the parts they got? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you want to get rid of that Beal contract because it's like the, the oh, I can't remember which pod I was listening to this week, but they basically said Beal went out and tested the market and everything. The market sort of went. Eh. <laughs> And so the Wizards went, well, we'll pay the max. And he's like, okay, then, give it up. It didn't sound like anyone was competing for that for that guy. So, mm. I don't know. Yeah, they, they seem Wizards like basically very- retained him so that they've got somebody to sell tickets. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, – it, it's, it's almost like that last contract Kobe got, right, where it's like, well, we know you're not going to be that great. Yeah. But – you're going to still sell a lot of tickets for the next three or four years yeah. while we figure out what you know who we target next. Um, so you know it's sort of like a lost leader, I guess. But well, the Wizards uh, have been happy being shit for forty years, so yeah, I mean, someone's got to be, I guess. Well, not necessarily for forty years. I mean, even the Kings have, have finally decided to stop sucking. Yeah, like, like the Beam. It's funny because we, we are we are a Beam positive uh, podcast. Yeah, the- like they're they're doing they're still doing well. And any other season, they would absolutely be like the hottest story in the league, right? And they have got a bit of love, but there's just so much shit going on. Um, and night to night, it like like other than the Pelicans and the and the Celtics, it doesn't seem like night to night a team can get traction, right? The Suns look like they're playing well and they get spanked by the Celtics. The the Nuggets sort of win a couple, lose a couple. You know, win a really encouraging game like tonight, lose a really discouraging game like the one to the to the um, Mavericks the other night. The, the Grizzles, I guess, have been sort of just tickling. Uh, they're another one. You know, they're seven and three in their last game, third in the third in the West. But 
it just feels like they're ticking along. It doesn't feel like they're a massive story at the moment. But they have won the last four, so. Yeah. But, again, there's there's such strong schedule variance issues. It's it's really hard to get a understanding of what we're watching, mm. um, which is why anything we say is going to be incoherent shit. That, that's why I do like um, I do like that wins pool looking at the schedule through the wins pool because they you know they list whether it's you know a, a third game in four nights or back to back or you know they show the schedule strength essentially or, or that you know the the disadvantage of the schedule um, yeah which is which is always it like you know the clippers just look right for a loss tonight because it was a back to back and and they don't give a fuck. Yeah. So. And they lost at Miami, which is always a, um, you know, yeah, a little well, bit of South fuck. Beach flu involved as well. When was the game before? Game was before it was in Orlando, so it was definitely a Miami back-to-back, a South yeah. Beach back-to-back. So even though they have quite a few players who wouldn't necessarily avail themselves of the joys there, they've also got some players who would. Mm. We'll see how the Lakers go on their much harder stretch now. Uh, yeah, uh, although their next game is... At Philadelphia, who are only a 500 team, you know it's um, yeah. it's an odd it's it's a really odd situation in that we don't you know the, the teams you think are going to be good are not. Yes, who do they play? Oh, they got the 76ers, then they've got the Pistons, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Wizards, the Suns, the Kings, the Hornets, the Mavericks. There's only okay. four teams there you'd be scared of. Yeah, but I, I guess the other point is. But the other point is that I was going to say there's only only four or five of those teams that are above 500. But then again, neither are the fucking Lakers. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like that, you look at it and you go, "Well, they should beat the Pistons and the Wizards, right? They should absolutely, you know, that should be a, okay." Depends whether they have AD. I mean, AD, AD has like a fluey thing, so he'll he'll come back. Yeah. Um. All right, Doc. You got any other sporting takes? I, I, all my um. I'll, I'll be coaching quite a bit in the next eighteen months. I I found out the. The, the World Cup, uh, sort of my selection stuff sort of kicked off this week. You know, we put out our expression of interest for players for World Cup. And then the the international body for touch dropped a, a junior tournament in my backyard in May. And I was like, sweet, that'll suit me nicely. Pick, it, pick an under-20 side and, and go and run around in that and blood some players and have a look at some young younger players for World Cup. So, yeah, I'm going to be quite busy coaching over the next 18 months, which is nice. nice lots, of ane- lots of anecdotes for the pod. Oh, I'm sure that, I'm sure the listeners will be delighted with the return of Bezos <laughs> Coaching Corner. It's been picked up for another season. Uh, I've been really interested with this fucking Warner shit. But just because of the way it's kind of developed mm. and who's driving the narratives and where the narratives are coming from. Because we had this thing whereby the... Well, Warner wanted to be reinstated as as um, as a well, yeah, his all, lifetime all because, ban from from captaincy all, all, overturned, all you, and cricket Australia seem to be supporting him in that. But as a result of the CBA, they have to go to an independent panel. The independent panel wanted to have a public hearing. Warner didn't want that because he didn't want to have. His, he said he didn't want to have his family family name dragged through the mud again. And you know, you guys can go fuck yourselves. I'm going to withdraw my my bid. And you and at that point, you're thinking he's probably about two months away from chucking in his fucking central contract and just becoming a T20 mercenary. Cricket Australia come out with a with a statement saying they support Dave Warner and they're disappointed. Yada yada yada. They wanted to have a private hearing as well because of course they don't want this shit in the media. And then the next day. 
Warner's manager turns up on radio just smearing the shit out of various unnamed Cricket yeah. Australia um, executives saying that essentially they were told to bull tamper because they weren't going to win without you know generating a reverse swing. So I want, I'm fascinated to know who's driving these narratives, whether this is Warner pulling the strings, whether he's, his manager's gone rogue. His manager's got, got the shits. What exactly is going on? But it feels like we're going, we're re, going to relitigate all of 2018, the, uh, the book club summer. Uh, but even though Warner claims he didn't want to do all this stuff in public, it certainly looks like we're going to be doing it in public anyway. But what shits me, right, is there, there's a dozen players in, not so much in cricket, but more in AFL and, and rugby league, that are running around with d- domestic violence charges or yeah. pretty bad criminal shit. And they have X amount of games off and can yeah. come back. Like Matt Lodge was fucking considered for captaincy positions in, in teams <laughs> not that long ago. I, I mean, you shouldn't laugh about Matt Lodge's um, circumstance, but there was a tremendous episode of, of Roy and HG's podcast where they, they talked through the Matt Lodge Adventure in New York when he was clearly in an altered state of consciousness, and he was he was being a, a real fucking um, a real ambassador for rugby league and introducing it to people by locking them up in their in their house and shouting at them and smashing their doors with a cricket bat or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, but you got that, you've got all your your fucking Debellin types and your and all those um, uh, individuals in the rugby league and and the uh, and the AFL. How do we how do we talk about this without without all the, having to put allegedly on everything? Anyway, oh, like the, the, it's a le- it's likely a, sex pests are in both yeah. codes and and the, it's and, the and, but, but we're worried about a bit of sandpaper. It's the same people that are quite willing to let those people go on and play rugby league or AFL that are like I never want to see Warner in an Australian shirt again and, and I like, cheated. You know, fucking Jim Maxwell retweeted something about you, you know the Australian public's not ready to forgive Warner. It's like fuck off. He didn't hit someone. He didn't sexually assault someone. He he didn't do half the rancid shit that public figures in our elected officials do all the fucking time. He did something that happens in cricket and happens in Australian cricket quite frequently. And he did it badly. Like he got caught. And he's an arrogant That's the real crime, as we as we said in, when we did the, the book club in 2018, 2019. The real crime was doing it so fucking shambolically that, that he embarrassed himself and he embarrassed his flag. And the thing is that, you know, Warner is an easy guy to hate. He's an arrogant little shit and he's, he's got little temper shit, yes. problems and and all that. But mate, he still didn't do half the rancid shit that other people have done. And like I've seen some of the people in cricket circles that have, you know, been really down on water, been really supportive for O'Keefe in New South Wales, who has, you know, has, again, has, alleged- has shown the ex- exhibited the behaviour of somebody with a significant alcohol problem. Yeah, and, and, and allegedly um, might have done stuff that I consider a shitload worse than what Warner did. For I, sure. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's cheating at a game. It's not. Real life. It doesn't I'm sorry. hurt anybody in reality. No, it's it's, it's just frustrating. It's it's ah uh, anyway. No, uh, absolutely what- true. But what I'm interested in is is you know Warner's managers going out and basically said we were told to do it. Contrast that with the statement that Stark and all the fast bowlers made a few years ago, where they all said we had absolutely no knowledge, we had absolutely nothing to do with it, we we heard nothing, we said nothing, we you know this is we're disgusted by any kind of suggestion that was a problem. Now one of these people are not telling the truth, and I think you know whether 
regardless of whether Warner wants his, his family's name dragged through it or not, that's going to be discussed in public, I think, now. So yeah. it's going to make, you know, the tail end of this fucking test series and probably the entire South African series quite interesting. Uh, and seriously, all, he didn't want to fucking captain an Australian team. He wanted to captain one of your T20 fucking franchises. Again, who really cares? Like, could you name the captain of the Tasmanian hip hoppers or whatever they're fucking called? Could you have having trouble naming the fucking squad? Like, what does it matter? Like, he, and that that's the other thing. He's a little bit like Warren in, in that he's evidently quite a tactically uh, flexible and, you know, quite astute sort of guy, you know, mm. people really like playing under him because he'll, he, he can change his game plan and be quite flexible and do different shit within a game. It's a T20 side. Who cares? What are, what are you guys doing? You, when you've you got a T20 t- series that's that's dying, that's being propped up by p- poaching out-of-contract New Zealanders, it just seems like a really odd fucking hill to die on. But apparently... Australians, the Australian nation's really weird relationship with cricket means that this this is how it this is how it's going to turn out. Yeah, there's there's a reason why I watch more Australian women's cricket than Australian men's cricket, and that's because, uh, like even the administrative side of that part of the the sport seems to be much more professionally run and and you know in sync with their players and 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 their goals. Uh, yeah. Anyway. A weird sort of situation. And in the meantime, Marnus just keeps, you know, bumping his average up against the poor old Windies yeah. that just don't seem to know what Test Cricket's about anymore. Yeah, it's really it's really quite sad. I'm glad it's only a I'm glad it's only a two test series, to be honest. <sighs> yeah, that well the last one was a bit the same, wasn't it? So we're, Oh, it's been four. the same since mm, two thousand, two thousand and one. I haven't looked remotely in the game. For an extremely long time, which is, you know. <laughs> and meanwhile, England are five down at lunch in, in the second game. So Yeah, I the guess- bas-balling is not, is not bas-balling the way it wants to be bas-balling. Um, there's, a new, uh, there's a new Pakistan spinner, and it's turning on the first morning. So I can imagine by day five, it's going to be really unpleasant. I, I, man, I, I love doctored pitches. Like, I'd give me a doctored pitch any day rather than a fucking road like, you know, last week. But, um, you know, credit to well, New Zealand B, which is the England team. They found a way to get a result on a, on, a, on an absolute road, and that was yeah. um, pretty impressive. Again, I'm all for different types of cricket within the same framework. Like, I think it's boring when everyone sort of, you know, has an orthodox way of playing. Um, yeah, like, the thing about uh, the basketball, though, and I know he, oh, he hates calling that, the thing about the English approach is that it's not just throw everything at it in terms of batting. There's also, you know, much more aggressive bowling changes and much more aggressive fielding positions and just trying stuff and never letting the game sit, which I think is really, um, really cool to yeah, watch. Yeah, well, for, for years, like, and again, I've been raised on those 70s, 60s, 70s cricket books, but, like, it just used to frustrate the hell out of me when Australia would have you know, just a whole session of their four bowlers sort of rotating in three and four over spells. Just just, just the same four bowlers or same three bowlers if it was the same as if it wasn't spinning yet and Lyon just holding up an end, you know, and the other three rotating down the other end. It's like, mate, fucking throw it to Manus and let him bowl half trackers because the amount of time where the concentration levels change 
or it just it just mucks the game up a little bit. Like, I uh, just, uh, yeah, I, I I would rather lose the way England are playing than win. You know, in that in that sort of, uh, I guess Michael Clark, but Steve Smith had it. Steve Smith had it as well. Steve Smith was the real. Uh, you know, I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to keep banging against the wall, and eventually it'll knock down. Sort of. It attitude. was. A, it was a real pressure. It was a pressure to approach. It was. It was yeah. purely just grinding. And to be fair, they didn't have in Smith's time. It was not like they had bowlers that were absolute weapons. They had some really good bowlers, but they just felt that they were just going to grind them away. They were just going to keep sanding, ironically, sanding <laughs> away. Sanding away. You've got to get sandpaper into the uh, show title tonight somehow. Yeah. Long-term listeners will notice that the, none of Bezos' title suggestions ever make yes, it. Yes, never make it. Never. Never, ever, ever. Unless I'm doing the editing and then they yeah. get in, which is never. All right, Doc, shall we come back and talk about a couple of quite interesting albums? I we think. should do that. This was Ball's podcast. I was Doc. He was Bezo. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Well, Twitter still exists. Um I think I've joined Mastodon. <laughs> or apparently well, I had a Mastodon from yeah. like five years ago yeah. that I never actually t- used. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on yes. there as well. Um, uh, I, I don't even know if you're on it, but it's... it's. Yes, no, no. I, I must have joined about the same time. I think we, because- we all must have, must have thought Twitter was going to die. Uh, it looks like it's around the early, sort of the Trump years. I think everyone was sort of thinking, fucking, let's get out of here because this is a clown show. But, uh, yeah, you can find us on that. Uh, you can find the pod on uh, Twitter. Uh, and on various other formats. Uh, you must have found it because you're listening to this. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you, dude. Cheers. I'm going to go and make a gin because I've been told we have too much gin. We, we need to get. <laughs> we have a gin. St- we have a gin mountain. Need to get rid of some, so I'm going to do something about it. Send it to me. I'll get rid of it for you.